do your job. Dad like it's your job. Do your job! With Chris Zito. Do your job. He's a dad, a radio host, a father, a speaker, dad, an actor, a dad, a comedian, a dad, a husband, a dad, and well, a dad. Hello, faithful listener. Welcome to Dad Like It's Your Job. I am your illustrious host, Chris Zito. Very excited about this week's episode because it's a little bit of a departure. It's a lot of laughs. Uh, My guest is uh, comedian, writer, and speaker, producer, sometime actor, Ed Driscoll. Now, Ed Driscoll and I go back to the infancy of my comedy career. And, you know, I started as half of a comedy team. And my partner, Steve Bean, who has since passed away, unfortunately got cancer and passed away uh, a little over five years ago now. Hard to believe that it's been that long. But Ed was his roommate for a long time. And so, you know, he was best friends with Steve. I was best friends with Steve. We sort of have that between us. And we've been friends for decades. Ed is a very funny guy. He is an incredible writer, and like I said, this conversation, it veers off the central topic of this podcast a little bit, but I think you're going to have a ball listening to it. Ed is just a hilarious guy. He wrote a memoir some years ago called Spilled Gravy. Uh, That's available on Amazon. It's a must-read for anyone who's trapped in a living hell. (laughs) I say that uh, just having known Ed for years. He's very sort of sardonic and dark. His humor is kind of dark. But he is a father, and he's got a new book called unmoved chess pieces and it has to do with when he was you know was or he is a successful television writer but he was living in LA at the time and his parents were aging and getting sick and needed help and it's all about the struggle he had convincing them that he wanted to come back and see to them and to help them he had a sister that lived in Pittsburgh His parents lived in Pittsburgh. That's where he's from originally. And they were like, you know, Ed, you know, no, this you do your job. You have your life out there. But um, he was insistent. And I was fascinated by this idea of the fact that he was so close with his folks. Obviously, his dad did something right because he wanted to do right by his folks. I mean, Ed is an Emmy Award nominated Emmy winner. For writing, he's written for the Oscars. He's written for Billy Crystal. He's written for the Dennis Miller Show. He's written for David Spade. So many famous comedians that you know Ed has written material for. He's written for sitcoms. This guy is, I think the only reason I was able to get him is because the Writers Guild is on strike. He's a very busy, in-demand television writer, comedy writer, performer, and as I said, an old, dear friend of mine, this conversation we do talk about his folks we do talk about the book we reminisce a little bit and we have a lot of laughs i can't help but laugh at this guy he's so funny so uh enjoy this conversation with ed driscoll it is great to lay eyes on you ed and i really appreciate you doing this with me you as well. Thanks for asking me, dude. We'll have to do this a little more often and not just in a professional capacity. That's true. I mean, we can do, like, FaceTime anytime. We don't have to do it, like, for a podcast. So well, Let's not panic. I was thinking maybe a little more texting. Let's not go overboard after all. Uh, so listen, on this pod, I always start my guests with their dad credentials. You're a dad. Tell us how many you've got, what you've got, what's the deal that makes you a dad. Uh, and I'm sorry, are we like on the air here now? Yeah, this is happening. 
Oh, goodness. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I was just about to go into a bunch of just ridiculous stuff. Because <laughs> my regular I don't, life want, is, I, don't, I don't want you to... I don't want, I don't want that to stop you, Ed. You no, know? you said uh, you were going to do these effusive credits, and I didn't hear them. Do you, you tape those? And yeah, I tape those, and then you'll have to wait until the podcast is launched. This episode is launched. Then you'll have to tune in to see if I really came across. You ah, know? i got to be... In, oh, I honestly thought you were going to do them live, and then no. I was just going to hang no, this is a disaster. And, uh, I don't, for once, I don't blame myself. But yeah, no, Chris, it is great to see and hear you uh, as always. And yes, I have a 16 year old, which is wow, know, blink of an eye, right? Right. I yeah. Mean, it's ridiculous. You hear that stereotype from every parent. They're like, oh, go so fast, go so fast. And it's like, wow, it, it really does. Yeah, it's nutty. Not, I mean, uh, it, as you know, I've had two rounds of kids. So I remember when, you know, with this latest round with the, with the baby who's now 17. When when she was little, I'd see these older people in the playground. Oh, it goes by so fast, and I'm like, yeah, I know, because you know I had a 21 year old, so oh, right. I really did yeah, know. You have a you different know? perspective than oh, most. Oh my of god! Them. I mean, I have kids that are middle aged. You know, I mean, the ones that you remember, several kids that are older than you somehow. Yes, like, yeah, I exactly. I would actually say that in my act. You know, I have a couple of them are older than me. Oh. Is that happening to anybody else? Hey, come on out! I'm telling you, Ed, it kills. You'll have to take my word for it. Well, I know, I know it's funny because I said it, and I haven't heard you say it. So. I, I know you're aiming at some lawsuit or something here. It's like, look, I, I don't listen or watch you ever. I can prove that. Well, listen, man, I, I one of the reasons I invited you on was just a, a great excuse to have a conversation with you. But uh, I know that you know, you've know you added uh, another book. Because I know that you author is one of your, you know, I mean, your, your business card has a lot of slashes. You know, you're one yeah. of those guys, and now you've People been are tearing them up. <laughs> They're being slashed. But uh, yeah. the new book, "Unmoved Chess Pieces," fascinate the 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 concept of the book fascinated me because one of the things we haven't talked about on this pod is when you are a dad, and then you sort of all of us or many of us eventually, as our parents get older, the roles kind of reverse. And I know that that's a, a part of the thesis of this book was what happened with you living in LA being a big showbiz bigwig you know uh you know writers guild member solidarity by the way and uh you know, maybe oh, yeah. the strike will be settled. I'm also in SAG, so I'll be on strike in multiple. Well, I, uh, hey, I voted to any authorize areas, too. You know, any any yeah, union. any areas I can get to not work in <laughs> is always helpful. We're going to be on multiple picket lines by the time this episode drops. Okay. But uh, so you were living in LA, and your folks were getting older, as they do, and they were sort of you know getting sick, and they needed help. Yeah, and you know, and. And that's best scenario, right? Like that your parents are aging. And I remember I lost my parents, I guess I was 40 and my sister's 50. And we were talking about this going, wow, we are adults with all this knowledge or wisdom of how the world works. And can you imagine this happening at 10 years old or 12 years old? Right. Trying to process that. Like I can't do it now and I'm supposedly an adult. So it's an interesting dynamic in that way that. I started thinking about right away. Um, but yeah, so I was lucky, you know, to have parents that were, and my grandparents had all had lived into their like nineties on all sides. Yeah, so right. my, my mom was 80 and my dad was 85 and, you know, it's like, Oh, they got another 10 years easy or whatever, but you know, things catch up and um, yeah, being in Los Angeles and them being in Pittsburgh where one of my sisters, one of my three sisters lived in Pittsburgh, but that was it. And yeah, I kind of felt like 
boy, they took care of me this whole time. What can I do to help them? And I was flying back and forth a lot from LA to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I was fortunate that, you know, uh, had the resources uh, to do that. Uh, and it became a thing though of, uh, I was telling them, it's like, I, you know, I feel like I should move back just in my own head. Cause yeah. I kind of thought like, they took care of me sure. and I can't doing this. And I don't know, you know, you take on, you, you hope that you start thinking about the bigger things in life. And, uh, you know, it's before I had my kid and, and stuff too. And well, wow, it's interesting. Cause I know for, yeah, for so, me, I, I, my whole attitude about my father changed once I became a father. Right. Mine does, you know, posthumously for them as I sit there and I, it's yeah. funny. I talk to them all the time with other, and I, and I do believe they hear me, but I will say like, Oh my God, you guys. And then you feel bad. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry for any moment of heartache or anything. Dude, I was like a witness to that. Even after we were supposedly adults, young adults, I remember being at your house and we were packing up and we were doing all these horrible jokes, yelling up and down the stairs, like jokes in secret code. And your poor mother's trying to, you know, help us out. I mean, it was, you know, and yeah. we were purposely yeah, yeah, doing it to great... torture your mother. You know what I mean? Well, we were like in our I, early I, 20s. I was only feeling guilt from my childhood and teenage years. But you're right. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that I was completely inappropriate and a burden, uh, even in adulthood. <laughs> Uh, absolutely i can't believe that you didn't realize that already but you know yeah. well you know friends that like you to, put, to point that stuff out uh over and over and you wonder why we don't chat um, i really no, do I, so that's the book deals with that whole and i don't want to give away for the sure one people that will see if the library has it and then if they don't won't read well no it. i mean it's on amazon and as i tell all my guests there are tens of people downloading this podcast <laughs> every week and so yeah. you'll you'll definitely see a spike in sales so well, we'll take it we'll take it and uh i actually have been surprised because it's funny pre previous to this one not spilled gravy that i wrote in 2006 which yeah. incidentally last time i was in boston i was on your radio show and i was doing my wow book I haven't been well, uh, listen, dude, I have a policy on the radio show. On the pod, I've had uh, several authors. On the radio show, my policy is if I have to either really know you well or be related to you. That's the only authors I've ever had on. You know, like my my brother That's Chuck nice. wrote a couple of mysteries. I had him on, you know, and I said, oh, well, funny. I normally no, I don't think, have well, mystery writers a, on, but since you're my brother. I had a publicist then. I kind of forgot you're on the radio there, and I think you emailed me. You're like, hey, Ed, what is this? I'm getting <laughs> your publicist about coming on i'm like oh i'm sorry she's just doing her job she yeah. doesn't know I, do. I had to get through your people to talk to you yeah, yeah exactly and again I'm, I'm just trying to work my way up to that again but we'll see how the strike goes but uh well, uh, I, one of the things that fascinated me about the the idea of, of this new book, the unmoved chess pieces, your idea that you wanted to take care of them, and you said it yourself here a moment ago. You said, "Well, they took care of me. I should help out." So let's talk a little bit about your dad, because a lot of the things you know, I've had a, multiple guests on this pod where we talk about how fatherhood has changed, and the last generation of dads, it's it's sort of different now. This isn't really your dad's fatherhood, but your father, how involved was he? Was he around? Was he working all the time? What was that like? Yeah, you know, I never, but um, felt neglected or not cared for. You know, my mom was a full time stay at home mom. Yeah, you know, they that generation and sure. stuff too she was and you know toughest job of, the, of it all right, right. I, I say what i have to do for my one kid as a single dad and think of my mom with the four of us and like i say even the bratty thing is then i laugh i go mom this is why they're 
you know, my daughter's in my face when I'm trying to make dinner and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's karma. And I remember I torment my mom. And yeah. just literally have my, like, head on her shoulder. When's this going to be ready? And I said, oh, my this is the revenge that gets paid forward, right? Really right, exactly, especially with a mom. Because I, I have three older brothers, and she would literally be chasing us around the house when I was little. I remember that. You know, chasing yeah. us around to try to get us to do something or grab me or, you know. I would just run it away from it. It seemed so funny then, didn't it? But, yeah, <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. Way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my dad was really like a classic um, a guy. Did uh, you know he worked at, as an engineer at United States Steel for his entire life? Here, uh, yeah, one the, job, his whole career, right? Yes. Back then, the entire thing. Yep. And uh, so it was. But he was always great about. In, in the weekends, I saw him, and always after school, I was excited to see him. And yeah, I was. I, I was really lucky, you know. And and. That's one of those things, too, I realized, like, as I was growing up, I felt like, well, everybody's got parents like this, right? Right. You know, when you start to get out in the world a little bit and you're like, wow, no, they yeah, not. And right. You, and you do appreciate, as you say, some things you just won't appreciate until you're a parent. But you think like, oh, wow, this there's so much more to what they were doing. I thought it was all about ruining my fun. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, my dad was a salesman, so he was often not around on Saturday. Occasionally, he was, but he would work six days a week. He used to joke, "Oh, I only have to work half a day today, twelve hours." And I would, (laughs) you know, growing up, I was like, "He's never around. Why isn't he around?" And then I grew up and had kids, and I was like, "Oh." Okay, because he was trying to feed me. He was trying to pay his yeah. mortgage, you know? Like, well, do you want to eat or will, uh, yeah. yeah. And so, no, but it is, I, I was really lucky. And so I say that I miss my parents terribly. Uh, but boy, they, they set a lot of great examples. And like you say, even though it's a different time, I mean, how do you relate to some of the things? My, I mean, my dad grew up in the Depression and was in World War II. You wow. Know, Your father was in the Depression and in World War II. That makes you. You got to be pushing seventy by now, if that's if I'm, that's your uh, father. I mean, I've had a lot of work done. Uh, yeah, no, I child of the forties. No, no, I'm I'm the same way. I always joke that I'm the youngest child. I had a much older father, and that's why my, I have a father who's a World War II vet. Yeah, I was you know? the last one in my family, but then yeah. I realized so Dad had me about when I had my kid. He was oh, no about kidding! Forty five, forty six when I had my yeah, kid. And right. Like, oh goodness. Um, you know, and you just appreciate, but but yeah, what a different, and it's funny, as you know, like I'm a sports fanatic and my dad was a sports fanatic, Sure. but we'd watch a game and I'd be so upset and I would carry it with me for days, like a loss. And my dad would like, he wouldn't like it and he'd be a little grumpy, but then he'd move on. And I remember a lot of times he'd say, well, it's just a game, son. And then you like, right. as you get older and go like, yeah, I guess when, you know, you're on an aircraft carrier being shot at and growing <laughs> up with no food and stuff that like, yeah, you can get past yeah, that. Exactly. Easier. Yeah, you, know, you kind of didn't really understand at the time, and uh, and I still think he was wrong, quite frankly. Well, nothing- you know what? I mean, you know, uh, despite the depression, the fact is that the Pittsburgh Pirates haven't won a World Series uh, in most people's lifetime. Let's face it. So, no, well, nineteen seventy-nine. Right. So it's. I yeah. guess most so people, a I don't lot know, what do you cater to 20-year-olds? Is that your whole audience? Okay, good No, you. Ed, because people born in the 80s are now in their 30s or almost uh, 40. So, you know? Uh, nothing worse than hearing those people in line in front of you, right? Like at the CBS or something. Like, the data birth. <laughs> and yours, I'm like mumbling. Sir, I can't hear you through the window. Well, you know, when you get your, your finger gets cramped scrolling down on a website when you're trying to get to your uh, 
year of birth. There's You're scrolling, scrolling, we'll scrolling. Talk about bits we do, but I actually do a thing about it's. It is like a Vegas uh, slot machine. I got like three cherries popped up. Well, I I have taken to when I'm on the phone with somebody and they ask for my date of birth, I follow it up with way back in the day, and that usually gets a laugh from whoever I'm on the phone with, you know, because you know I can't I can't just turn it off, Ed. When you're this funny. You know no, what I mean? And I've been asking you too for what, like forty years? So <laughs> easily, yeah, that's easily not for- <laughs> Yeah, so I, I get it, man. You don't have to explain to me. So I'm I'm fascinated though because I I don't know too many published authors. Like I said, my my brother's uh, published a couple of mysteries. He's a playwright. So what is your process like? I don't get the chance to talk to too many authors. Like. I mean, when you're, I know you've written a lot for television, you know, you're, you're an Emmy winner. You made that very clear by having the Emmy in the background while we're doing this Zoom call. You I told think me, hopefully they don't see this. They no, just no, no, we're, we're only audio on the pod, but. And I am really cleaned up, as you see. I, you do, you do, you look fantastic, but. Um, and you have to change it to dad like you're a slob. <laughs> That'll be if they see me in here. At least well, my first, I mean, as soon as you came on, my first thought was like, wow, he never used to look this way. Yeah, right. Oh, well, parenthood. Like you said, I'm a broken man. (laughs) The weight of it all. But what I'm saying is I know when you're writing for television, a lot of times you're in a writer's room with other guys, and that's a whole vibe. But when you're writing a book, that's very solitary. Do you have a, you know, which did you enjoy more? Well, but it all has its place, you know what I mean? And and like you and I both, as far as, you know, writing stand-up, you're writing that on your own, basically. Yeah, you know? of course. So, so I'm kind of used to, and even in television writing, there was a lot of hybrid type of stuff of which, you know, when we worked on Dennis's show, like everybody go off into their office and write by themselves, then you get together. You get together, and, and that's... Become a lot of that, too, that's... where you, ah, you go off and do stuff, now let's bring it in and let's table it. Um, and when you say Dennis's show, just for the listeners, that's Dennis Miller. You wrote for his show. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and sitcoms are more writer's room because right, you're hashing out full stories. But I guess the long winded, uh, uninteresting answer to your interesting <laughs> question was uh, I've gotten used to. I know how to do any of that. So it all feels okay. like the same process kind of to me. When right. I'm writing a book. I'm just as happy because I'm sitting there and. And in some ways, it's more freeing, right? Because I can walk around and talk to myself out loud and not worry about, you know, how insane I'm looking in front of all these other people. Cause it's just me. <laughs> right, um, right. And so, yeah, I, I kind of like it all equally. It's fun to be in a group and so forth. But I, and especially when I'm writing a real personal book, like my books have tended to be. Yeah. Um, it's like, I don't need to be telling people about this. And then you realize, oh, well, you're putting it out in a book, Ed. And like, yeah, a yeah. book. Yeah. You know, I talk about my recovery in my first book a lot. And okay. I remember the first time that I forget, you know, after a while, it becomes like I'm writing about this other person as you're hemming down there and you're really culling and making sure grammatically you're like taking yourself out of it. Now I'm looking at it like an editor. Does this make sure. sense? Does it make sense. And I remember like I went on a TV show when that first book came out and like they asked me this really personal question about recovery. I just looked at her and I was like, you have a lot of nerve. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, it's in this book. It's all over that book. If I had forgotten, I remember. I went there and it's like, so you're coming on like some local morning yeah. show on TV and they're like, so Ed, well, I understand you were a horrendous drunk. And you're like, yeah, well, that's not a like, very hey, nice hey, thing to say. What is this, TMZ? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, I had to get his, like, oh, so. But that's what I'm saying. When I'm writing a real personal book, though, I, I have to have my spaces I'm doing it. And then when it gets out there, you got to be prepared to say like, oh, yeah, people will ask about this. Yeah. Uh, 
Right, right, right. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I didn't want to have. I couldn't have you on without talking about Steve because you and I. Uh, one of the things that we sort of have a fulcrum between us, we shared like a best friend for decades. Who unfortunately passed away, had cancer, and he passed away. It's been almost five years now, or just was five years. I can't believe it. You know, yeah, uh, time flying. Like yeah, you said. it's crazy. Steve Bean, we were we were uh, stand-up partners. That's what that's what reminded me. Actually, I mean, I think about him every day. But you reminded me when you were saying like, oh, stand-up, you write that alone. But I started my stand-up career with a partner and so we used to write to, to, together and you know speaking of recovery i mean that writing process was a lot of uh you know sitting in the basement of the triple decker we were renting and you know smoking a lot of pot six pack cold six pack and you know see who could freak the other one out the most you know and that's how we ended right. up and, and if you see that if you ever saw to, that act you know <laughs> well no and, and not to extol the virtues of that being the creative process but the creative process is what it is you know what i mean and right now right. we just still do that stuff but personally i do that sober or whatever right, but right the stuff you're saying in some of these rooms, it's like, I'd be ashamed uh, if I heard this. And I'm disgusted at myself. But like, this is part of the creative process. Right, right. You have to, and that's where, you know, I know that a lot of comedians now, it's so hard. You know, when you're at a club, it's hard to work on new material. If you're if you're a famous guy, luckily for me, nobody's got their phone out trying to, you know, catch me doing anything because, you know, nobody knows who I am. But I, uh, but yeah, so, you're you, like you, me. You get people call. They pull their phone out to call another club. Like, Is there anybody else playing besides Ed Driscoll? People just Driscoll? scrolling through their Instagram during my set, be, or I'll just stand out in the middle of traffic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the people on their phone during my set are people desperate for entertainment while I'm performing. So, yeah, but you see that all the time. People, guys are like the famous guys are like, I'm afraid I can't, I can't work on new stuff because. I'm going to end up saying something that's going to offend somebody. And no, of course, that's not going to be in my Netflix special. I got to get work through all that stuff. And uh, that's yeah. it's always been that way. It has. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I won't get into all that. But it's like, I, I'm a big fan of, of free speech. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to me that like a, a lot of the censorship came from the right. And now it's coming from the left. And it's like, hey, you know yeah. what? It's coming from yeah, all directions. Like I'm offended by stuff all the time, which is funny. It's like, I'm a nightclub comic. I'm hardly some prude. But there's stuff that offends me. You know what? I turn the channel. I don't watch it. Right, right, right. It's kinda... no, nobody should listen to this. Right, right, right. Like and that's what scares me. I, You know? That, yeah. And that makes it tough for comics. Good Lord. I remember Seinfeld and, and, and Chris Rock uh, talking about this 25 years ago going like, Hey, it's getting a little tough out there because people won't let you experiment or be. It seemed they're getting. I mean, this is like twenty some years ago. And yeah. It's like now, it really is. You know, this guy's coming at you on the stage, which happened to me too, and I wasn't even controversial. But as we know, right? We no, you never were. Clubs. There's plenty of crazy people. It's amazing it didn't happen <laughs> well, more often. Well, you know, it's yeah. funny. I mean, even it's all relative too, because I had that experience when I got the radio gig in Michigan, right? And mm -hmm. I was known in Boston. My nickname by the time I left, this was in the mid-90s. I go to Detroit, right? And my nickname in Boston at the time was the host guy. I was hosting like three showcases a week because I was, among Boston comedians, I was sort of friendly. I was clean. Yeah. I was warmer than a lot of guys. I go to Detroit and I'm going to all these clubs to audition because, of course, I'm not going to be able to just call these guys and say, hey, I'm a real comedian. So I'm going to do these sets at these showcases in this club. I do Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Detroit, mm -hmm. famous club. Oh my gosh. And I That's come perfect. off stage and there's a there's a uh, Michigan comic in the uh, green room. And I, he, I come walking in. And he goes, oh, wow, you're one of those angry comedians, huh? 
And I'm like, wait, what? In the Midwest, <laughs> yeah. I was angry. In Boston, I was one of the nice guys. Right. Like, hey, let me, let's take a little trip to Beantown here and uh, check out a few shows. Might just change your opinion and all that. Yeah. Well, th- uh, listen, this is a lot of fun. I-, I definitely wanted to have you on. I mean, this pod is about fatherhood, but I knew we'd end up, you know, maybe veering off a little bit and talking a oh, little bit of comedy. I hope we didn't veer off too much. Like you said, Absolutely. Uh, this is the 21st episode. It'll probably be the last one. Thanks, Ed, for being my swan song. So It's kind of what I do. I shut down shows. And not to- just when I'm on strike. <laughs> I mean, I can do it. You know, I can do it at any time. I, I, I used to say that to club owners when I was a young comic on the road before I get into radio so I could get off the road. You know, you'd go to a club. You ever have this? The guy's like, I don't know what it is. Last week we were packed. You ever get that from the right. club owner? Yeah. Yes, I think they a, do that every yeah, week. They do that all the time, and I would just look at the guy and go, well, that's why they call me the anti-draw. I just go from city to city emptying comedy clubs. You're welcome. Yeah, you know? I know. I always, I have heard that so much, too. Yeah. yeah and it can't always be true. Right, sure right. Like, but I started to get like, no. Because no. it can't be every week. It's, it's the, it's. I, I need to see some receipts. <laughs> yes. like, I, I really, at one point, was like, can I, I'd, I'd like to see some Let's see here. the numbers. Oh, it's the comedy club owner's way of making an excuse because it's it's, it's really his job to promote the show, unless you're a draw. And, and when he booked me, he knew I wasn't famous. So you know, no, it's it dead on. You're right. It's like to put the responsibility back on you. It's right. Like, exactly. Well, we are open, and people come here. So I don't know what <laughs> you're selling, but no one's buying it. Okay. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Well, listen. Uh, it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you. Um, uh, the, well. the new book is uh, Unmoved Chess Pieces. It's available on Amazon. It's easy to find. Ed Driscoll, Unmoved Chess Pieces. It's a great piece of work. I haven't read a page of it, but I, I'm assuming it's fantastic, Ed. Well, yeah, there's no need for you to really read it. I'd rather you not. Because <laughs> yeah, really, it's 300 pages of trashing you. So it's got a very small kind of audience. That's really. I like did I it at least. Be addressed. But I appreciate yeah, it. has being... nothing to do with my dad or even me. I'm not even. <laughs> I appreciate I'm being in the. I, I appreciate being in the acknowledgments, though. Thanks to Chris Zito for giving me somebody to trash for three hundred pages. So, and then once in a while, I was like, "Oh, I don't want this thing. It's all about Chris." So I'd go like, "Oh, Chris Z," and so they wouldn't be sure who I was talking about. And then I'd sometimes say, "Just Zito or just Chris." Oh, I, like, I see. Mix no. it up a little bit. All right. Yeah, it's not all like piling on you. I got it. I got it. All right, Ed Driscoll. Hey, thanks, buddy. Great to see you. Thank you. All right, Thank man. You, appreciate it. Well, so there you go. Like I said, a little bit different than some of the other episodes. A lot of laughs. Uh, I hope you'll check out the book, Unmoved Chess Pieces, on Amazon. Ed, it really is a brilliant, funny writer. You will read this book and laugh out loud. And it really isn't 300 pages trashing me. He made that part up. It's about his uh, experience with his folks as they were aging. Fascinating guy. A very successful television writer. Happy to call him my friend. And I'm happy that he was able to join me on the podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast. I hope you download the episodes. Please leave us a review. Tell everybody about it. Turn other dads onto this podcast. If you're just discovering it, go back, check out some of the early episodes. Well, these are the early episodes. What are we, episode 21, something like that? We're just getting underway here. But uh, that does it for this week. Thanks for listening. Tell your pals.